That's right. I'm thinking about September right now. Welcome in. WGN Sports Central. Mark Harmon with you tonight till 10 o'clock. Big show. Rich King's been down in the desert covering the White Sox. He'll talk to us at 8.30. Taylor McGregor is going to be covering the Cubs for the Marquee Sports Network. She'll be with us at 9.30. But I have football on my mind right now, and I'd like to build some excitement as we sit here and we sort of eye summer and spring trainings going, even though the White Sox were rained out today, they'll play the Reds tomorrow. Cubs are in action right now. After they were supposed to play in the afternoon, they got bumped to the evening. So I know that people are getting excited for baseball. I'm getting excited for baseball. But the Chicago Bears made a little bit of news today. The Chicago Bears have released... Prince Amukamara, no longer a cornerback for the Bears, saving themselves some money. Okay, so Prince Amukamara goes away. Liked Prince Amukamara, solid cornerback. And I like Taylor Gabriel, the wide receiver. But he was concussed multiple times, had a hard time getting on the field. And the Bears have opened up $13.5 million in salary cap space. NFL free agency starts March the 18th. And the Bears now have about $27 million, roughly. That's according to Spotrack, which tracks these things better than I can track these things. So I'm going to take their word for it. $27 million. Now, I'm putting myself in the shoes of Ryan Pace. And I'm going back to April 27, 2017. And here I am, and I'm a young general manager. I'm going to take a big swing. I've evaluated all the quarterbacks. The Bears have always had a quarterback issue. Haven't had a quarterback in this city really since Jim McMahon, Jay Cutler included. And I'm going to take my big swing. And I'm going to call up the San Francisco 49ers because I'm getting nervous. And I'm going to send him my number three pick, my third round pick, my fourth round pick, and another third round pick in the following season. Also, I can move up one spot because I'm going to take my guy. I'm going to draft Mitchell Trubisky. And Ryan Pace felt great about it. Remember the press conferences, right? He stepped, stood up there, and he was psyched. And we, you know, when when you know when you got a guy, you go and get him. And that's true. Good for him. He went out and he got him. Unfortunately, he got the wrong guy. So swing and a miss, strike three, and you're out. And Pace is tied to Trubisky, right? And at some point, you've got to have the exit. How do you get out of it? So I've got the solution here. There's this guy who's won six Super Bowls, who played for the University of Michigan, that many, many, many in the NFL did not think was going to be anything. Picked 199 overall. And he's gone on to be arguably the greatest quarterback of all time. And now, getting up there in age, Tom Brady, that's who we're talking about, everybody knows, right? 42 years old, going to be 43 next season, but he's a free agent. And him and Bill Belichick maybe not seeing eye to eye, and Robert Kraft is sitting in the background, and teams are being rumored. Los Angeles Chargers, Las Vegas Raiders, the Tennessee Titans, who made the playoffs, by the way, and Ryan Tannehill played great, but they're still considering him. And I just don't hear the Bears being mentioned. So if I'm Ryan Pace... 
how do I get out of this Trubisky thing? How do how do they stop thinking about Trubisky and me? What happens if I, you know what? You go out and you make you make a call and you say, Tom, we've got this sweet defense. We've got this awesome receiver in Allen Robinson. I don't know how I'm going to do it, but I'm going to upgrade the tight end position. Khalil Mack's a menace. We really think that Matt Nagy's offense is phenomenal. We'll cater it to you as best we can. And you're going to play in a world-class city, bring a Super Bowl back to Chicago. You're going to win your seventh and stamp yourself as the goat, 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 goat. And prove that, hey, you know what? It really was Brady more than it was Belichick in New England. You get all that. And you get to, you know, you get to go to Gibson's, you get to go to Morton's, you get to live the dream, you get to be in Chicago, man. You'd be a hero times times a zillion. New England will be missing you, they'll be crying about you. And if you're a pace, you all you don't even have to down you don't have to say anything bad about Mitch, right? Hey, you know, we we love Mitch. But this is a rare opportunity to bring in the greatest quarterback of all time. And it was really just quite something that we couldn't pass up. We look at ourselves in our window right now as a Super Bowl-ready team that can do it. We sized up what's going on in the NFL. And sometimes you just got to take a really big swing. This says nothing bad about Mitch. We hope that he can learn from Tom. If, if, if Tom, for whatever reason, is not available, we have the utmost confidence that Mitch can step right in there and do it. But right now... In this very moment, we really think that Tom is just something too good to pass up. Again, nothing bad about Mitch, but we really think that we we just can't pass up on Tom. And then everybody celebrates him. They think that, that who wouldn't applaud Ryan Pace, Bears general manager, Dan Hampton, Ed Obradovich? They'd be jumping up and down, wouldn't they? Pace is the greatest. My guy Glenn Kozlowski, Pace is the greatest. We love it. We're so happy. And good luck to Mitch. And every and, and now all of a sudden, Pace's job security looks great. The Bears look great. They're the talk of the town. Who's with me? 312-981-7200. I've been arguing about this. People have been yelling at me, he's too old. He's too old. You can't do it. Too much money. You're not good enough to win. Honestly, from, my, from where I'm sitting, I really don't care. It would be so much fun to have Brady here. Take a swing. Take a big one. 312-981-7200. Rich King from the desert coming up at the bottom of the hour. Jumping in with a little football talk to kick off WGN Sports Central. Are you in on the Bears making an aggressive move on Brady? 720 WGN. 312-981-7200. I really think the Bears could be a Super Bowl contender next season. I really do. The other guy that was out there this week was Derek Carr. Derek Carr of the, well, be the Las Vegas Raiders now, because Brady, Tom Brady's being rumored to go to the Raiders. The Raiders are talking about giving him $60 million to come to Las Vegas to sell tickets, to play in the casinos, and to jumpstart the Raiders in Vegas. And I would love Derek Carr in Chicago. Very cryptic picture by Derek Carr, by the way. I don't know if you guys saw that. But he posted a picture on Instagram of himself and Khalil Mack. Of course, Khalil formerly playing with the Raiders. And that was a great swing and a great trade by Ryan Pace. And so those two were buddies. And he puts that out there. 
basically saying, I guess, that he, hey, if they're bringing Brady here, I'd love to go to Chicago and play with my good buddy Khalil and restart my career in Matt Nagy's offense, and I, that'd be great. I mean, if you're the Bears, right, you, you've got to be open to all options. But I don't really hear much. Is anybody hearing anything, right? I hear the name Andy Dalton. Never won a playoff game with the Cincinnati Bengals. Now, granted, that's the Bengals, and maybe he could do better here. But wouldn't this, wouldn't, wouldn't this city go bananas if Tom Brady was here? Imagine what that would look like. And I and yes, it's the end of his career. And maybe it's like Michael Jordan with the Wizards or Joe Montana with the Kansas City Chiefs. But Joe Montana and the Kansas City Chiefs, they went to the playoffs. It was one of the greatest years in Chiefs history until this year when Patrick Mahomes took them all the way to the Super Bowl and they won it. So yeah, you'd be missing out on 98% of his career, and maybe maybe you could squeeze something out of the lemon, maybe you couldn't. But wouldn't it be fun to watch? 312-981-7200. What team are you most confident in right now to get to the next level, to have playoff success? You look at the Bears, right? And they've got their quarterback issues. But there's a great defense, and I would think that it's still very much, they're very much in their window. I'm like not completely down on the Bears. However, you got the quarterback thing, and you don't know how you're going to solve it. And then let's, let's move around the town here. The Blackhawks, a lot of young talent. Kirby Doc's probably the best rookie in the league, right? And Boquist has had a nice season. And Patrick Kane is still doing his thing. But you're looking at missing the playoffs for the third year in a row. And I don't know what it's going to look like in the offseason. Stan Bowman going to still be here. Is Jeremy Carlton going to still be here? And what, what exactly is the path for? Pretty murky, right, for the Hawks? The Bulls, Lord knows what's going on. Apparently John Paxson's going to get kicked upstairs. Gar Foreman's going to get kicked downstairs and just be a scout, and they're going to bring in a big-time general manager. I've heard the name Sam Presti being thrown out, who would be enormous from Oklahoma City. They uh, named a guy from the Pacers by the last name Buchanan who could be here. So the Bulls are going to do something, but so far away, right? Zach Levine, a borderline all-star, Larry Markkinen, and, uh, you, and like nobody has any confidence in the Bulls. By the way, the all-star game was great. The Cubs, there you go, Curtis. The Cubs, on the other hand, have a new manager who knows what's going to happen with Chris Bryant. He's going to lead off. I find that to be kind of amazing. Um, It's a ton of talent, but almost seems like that's going the other way. I actually think it's the White Sox. The Chicago White Sox are loaded. And it's not because they're on the station. It's not because they get to do White Sox Weekly and post-game shows and whatnot, I really just think the White Sox are in the best position, which is amazing, truly amazing. But it's paying off. Their rebuild is. And they've got a lot of money to spend that's available, and they've already spent a ton. I really think the White Sox, when you size it up as to who is in the best position right now to actually do something going forward in the next five years, I would bet on the south side. Let me get Dan in Manuka here on 720 WGN. Dan, you got a thought on Tom Brady? Go ahead. Well, one, I don't like that he cheated with the flight flop. 
Okay. And, I, and I, two. Yeah. I'm gone. No, I, two, agree, I agree with you on that, Dan. Go ahead. All right. And two, he doesn't like to get hit. We don't have the offensive line that can handle it. And he just get tagged. And, you know, when he gets hit, he loses. It's uh, the games show it. So when you don't have the offensive line like the Bears doesn't, they don't, excuse me. We, that's, that's the problem. Well, hey, Dan, they got to upgrade the offensive line no matter who the quarterback is, right? Almost definitely. I mean, I don't understand why they haven't. I mean, my first draft two draft choices would be the tackle. And so let's so, let's just say for argument's sake, Dan, and you're in the weeds here. You're not you're 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 going you're going down the road. I'm just starting at point zero. Do you want Tom Brady quarterback in the team or not? Wouldn't you sign up? No, for, you don't. Why not? Nope. Because he's a cheater. <laughs> oh, Dan, I love a man with integrity like you. I do. But are we? I'm, I wouldn't let Belichick either. Same reason. Okay, who who do you root for? But, who do you root for in college basketball, Dan? Well, I'm a U of I man, so I like them. Um, um, I do have problems with some of that. You, we don't want to get in that long conversation, but uh, <laughs> I'm just, um, it's a very slippery slope when you get into sports and say you don't like cheaters. And I completely agree oh. that what the Patriots have done year after year after year is gross and disgusting. Dan, I'm with you, but. I don't know. I'd look the other way to bring Brady here. I just would. Yeah, and I understand that. I do. Uh, but just because of, I mean, he didn't take any blame, and he didn't get punished because of who he is. Right. So, so that's my problem with it. And yeah. again, when he got hit, when they had the, when New England had those couple of games where they, he just got sacked three or four times, his passing was off. He started uh, hurrying his throws. Right. It just. And, and with our offensive line, unless we unless we totally rehab it, um, he could, he wouldn't come here because he knows he's going to get hurt, and he's older. And uh, with him getting hurt, then it'd be a waste of money. I got you, Dan. Last one before you go. His name is Mitchell Trubisky. Looking forward to watching him next season. Sure, okay. I'm a Bears fan. Okay, okay, all right, Dan. Way to hang in there. I appreciate the phone call. Three one two nine eight one seventy two hundred. I mean, let's just let that sink in. That is a diehard right there. Are you looking forward to watching Mitchell Trubisky play quarterback? Yeah, I'm a Bears fan. I'm fired up for 10 this year. Good for you, man. Seriously. That is like, that's a serious fan. I respect a fan who is willing to stick in there through the good times and the bad and keep your head up and say, you know what? Brighter days are coming. We've got all this evidence, perhaps, that it's not coming. But I'm a Bears fan. I'm going to do it. 312-981-7200. Not enough sun for pretty boy Tom to come to Chicago from the 412. Hey, man, I went to Michigan. And, and there's nothing wrong with being beautiful. Tom would look very, very solid walking down Michigan Avenue. Imagine Tom in the middle of the summer on an Oak Street Beach. He'd look perfect. 312 texting in. Imagine Brady versus Rodgers twice a year. Exactly. That's what I'm talking about, 312. How sweet would that be? It, it, would, it would be unbelievable if the Bears got in the conversation. And I know they've, you get in the weeds of the whole thing. Ah, they got to fix the offensive line. They need a tight end. They probably need another wide receiver. There, there's only so much money. I don't care. I'm in for the entertainment. Entertain me. Bring bring 12 to Chicago. 
even if it is for the end of his career. All right, those White Sox looking up. Best in Chicago right now. I think that's a fair take. Let's talk to Rich King next. Rich is down in the desert covering those White Sox. That is straight ahead on 720 WGN. 720 WGN. Rich King covering the White Sox down in Glendale. Couldn't make the rain stop today, so we have proven that Rich is not God. And he joins us now on 720 WGN. What's up, Rich? Good to talk to you, sir. Oh, good to be with you. I, uh, I was rainy during the day. Now that it's late in the afternoon, the sun came out here. It's too late to save the White Sox team. But all in all, it's been good weather down here, except for today. Today was the first bad day in about three weeks. Yeah, well, you know, a little rain never hurt down in the desert, though, right? I mean, I know it's, right. we were excited right. to get some baseball in today. But so you, how long have you been down there now, Rich? A, a couple of weeks, right? I got down on the 31st of January and uh, started covering the team, obviously, when camp opened. And I've uh, been doing it ever since. It's been a good camp. Uh, everybody's upbeat. This is my best camp I've, I've seen in quite a while for the White Sox. Uh, with the additions they made in the off season. everybody's pumped up and ready to go. Of course, they all are in spring training, but I think there's a little extra buzz this year because of what happened in the offseason, obviously. So the news today is that uh, Ricky is looking at leading Tim Anderson off and having Yohan Moncada in that too well. Now, Tim, of course, won a batting title last year in three thirty-five, but he's not your quintessential on-base guy, Rich. What do you think about that? Well, he he could be. I mean, he, he swings a lot of pitches, of course. doesn't take a lot of walks. But uh, if he's in the leadoff spot, he'll have to change a little bit, one would think. Uh, he's come in. We've talked to him. I've talked to him two or three times down here. He seems to have a real good fix on things. He's Despite the batting title, He's looking to improve in every area, especially defensively. Of the majors and errors last year, he wants to get a gold glove, he said, uh, down the road, maybe this year, hopefully. But I think his head's on the right way. I think he's got a good head on his shoulders uh, coming into his uh, 27th year of living on this earth. So uh, I think he's ready. Uh, Mercado, I, can, I think Mercado can hit anywhere. I don't, I don't think it's a problem for him anywhere. But, uh, you know, I, we'll see how it goes. I mean, you know, leadoff man is a... Is a has changed over the years. Used to be the speedster all the time, the guy that slapped the ball around and got on base. But that's changed. I guess Chris Bryant's going to lead off for the Cubs. So uh, things are changing in baseball thanks to the sabermetrics. Yeah, I'll I'll talk about Chris Bryant in that leadoff hole a little bit later, which just seems I have a solution for that one, Rich. And I, but for for me with the White Sox, uh, well, number one, look, Tim can hit anywhere in the lineup. I'm going to feel comfortable that, that Tim's going to give you. Uh, a, his best effort, B, a quality at bat. But I do worry slightly about a guy who was so successful winning a batting title, not hitting there, and you're asking to do something different. But he's got a ton of confidence, right? And he, now he's got his own YouTube channel, Rich. I mean, can you can can Rich King get on Tim Anderson's YouTube channel? Because that, I mean, you, you, you've done a lot in your career, but that'd well, be a big move. Well, I'm on good terms with him. Maybe I'll get on. I don't know. We, uh, he's a great kid. He, uh, you know, he had a lot of controversy last year with the bat tossing in, so he had it real well. And I talked to him during that thing last year in the locker room after it happened. He kept the focus, didn't let it eat him up, and had a great year, won a bang title. Uh, the idea leadoff, man, I think for that club, and if he comes up this year, it would be Madrigal, the first-round pick of a year ago. who had 311 last year in the minors. I talked to him. He's he's going to make the team. I don't think he will make it, but uh, he's the kind of guy who slaps the ball around, gets on base, can run. I think Madrigal is one of the fastest guys on the team, if you look at it, from a strictly uh, uh, spring training standpoint. So, But, you know, managers think different now. The sabermetrics guys think different. And uh, leadoff role has changed. It's no longer the 
the speed merchant on top, although Anderson does have a lot of speed because he has some bases. Yeah, I, I still, I guess I'm old school. I like a guy at the top who can steal bases, who does walk, has a high on base percentage, and does it sort of the old-fashioned way and is not necessarily, you know, a guy with power hitting it all over the ballpark, although you can say that Ricky Henderson was an old-school leadoff guy back in the day, and he certainly could take the ball out of the ballpark at any at any point in time to yeah. start the game later well, in the you're, game. You're younger than me, so I'm, I'm old school. I mean, I, so, but you know what? Things change in baseball, and this whole concept has changed. The, the launch angles are in there now, and, and the leadoff position has changed. Their pitcher's batting eighth now. Everything is – the game slowly evolves. And, you know, last year you saw it with the bat thing. We talked about that when I was on your show. Uh, the old school guys saw that kind of thing. The present uh, generation doesn't think that much of it. Uh, they think it's a celebration. Back in, back in my day, you'd go after the guy, hit him with a pitch. But nowadays, things are different. Rich King, the veteran, WGN TV, WGN Radio with us here, covering the White Sox uh, down in Glendale on 720 WGN. Uh, so Lucas Giolito through today, Rich. He's, I know he's coming off the cold. He had a little tightness in the chest, but things seem to be moving in the right direction. Yes, to talk to him. I've talked to almost everybody in the team, and uh, he uh, is not concerned at all. Did not have a good spring a year ago. It had a great year. Uh, he's got this neural therapy he's going through, which is basically a positive thinking thing, and it seems to have worked wonders with him. He had a great year last year. He asked Sloan a little bit, had the flu. He was really laid up with the flu, he said. But he seems ready to go, and so does uh, Gio Gonzalez, who was slowed down by a, a minor injury, a shoulder thing. And, and so, yeah, it's, it's early in camp. There's a long way to go. There's no sense of rushing anybody at this point. The Sox will be super cautious of everybody and uh, to go from there. But Lucas does look like he's poised to have another good year. Let's hope uh, he does because that rotation looks pretty good right now. It's got some depth in there, uh, and uh, with Kopech waiting in the wings to come up, uh, you kind of like the way things shape up. The bullpen does look good, too. This is one solid club. But look at that offensive uh, output they're going to have this year. It's pretty awesome. You know, they could have they could have a uh, – if Madrigal comes up and has a 300 year, they could have four infielders in a 300 range, you know, with uh, Anderson and Moncada and Abreu at first base. This is a heck of an infield. It's, it's not that old. Abreu <laughs> – well, he's 32, 32 years old, the oldest of that group, just uh, extended with the White Sox. So it's a very impressive infield. Look at the outfield. you got, again, potential all-stars out there with Robert coming in, Jimenez, and, and Larry Garcia, who we up today for a new contract or extension, whatever. He uh, is a solid guy. He's going to bounce around. So it's a pretty good team they put together, and the catching speaks for itself with Brandell and McCann. Now, that's all on paper, right? You know, things happen, injuries pop up. Uh, bad things happen. Let's hope it doesn't. And the White Sox have a nice run this year. Yeah, well, I was talking before you got on here, Rich, about when you look at every team in Chicago right now, let's just throw it out there, Bears, Bulls, Blackhawks, Cubs, White Sox. I think the White Sox's future right now, if you look at it, is the by far the most rosy. If you had to bet uh-uh. on who's yep. going to make the biggest, deepest playoff run in the next, call it three to five years, I think the White Sox are the team you would pick. Well, you look at the youth they have, too. I mentioned the Braves, the oldest guy. I mean, of course, Grandel's a veteran, too, 31. But, you know, McCann's only 29. He's still young. Jimenez is 23. Uh, uh, let's see, uh, who else is in the Mazar is pretty young. They got him from Texas. Uh, Robert's obviously very young. Uh, Moncada's still young. Anderson's still young. 
Uh, it's it's a good group, and uh, the pitchers are young. So you're, you're looking at a four- or five-year window here where uh, things could be pretty rosy on the south side of Chicago. Yeah. Aaron Bummer also making news today. He gets an extension and uh, $16 million over five years. Super, super grateful about it. I love the story there. The guy was a 39th-round draft pick, and you know last year at this time was getting sent to AAA and you know wondering if he's going to make it back to the big leagues. And now he's financially set for life, which is uh, that's a hell of an accomplishment for young Aaron Bummer. Oh yeah, right. He's a great kid. I, you know, I, I talked to him. You know, doing these webcast games for three years and covering for you guys in GM. Uh, I got to know him a little bit. Uh, and it's interesting. That he started out obviously he's erratic, and he's looking for a, a niche, trying to get to the major leagues. He told me this past week. He said uh, what changed his mind is he just decided to go out there and, and bear down and and think about the mental side of the game more than the physical side. He had an oblique strain in spring training last year, slowed him up, didn't make the team. And he said that kind of turned him around. He said he went down and he figured, I don't want to be a guy that's going to be up and down and up and down and maybe get 10 games here, 15 games there in the majors. I want to stay. And he went out to post a 2.13 ERA in 58 games. He's a delightful guy. Uh, Jay Fry is the same way. A kid who I've been following for three or four years here. Uh, learned the craft. And the big thing I'll tell you, and these young guys, is they have to feel like they belong in the major leagues. And you can understand that. You can relate that to any profession. I mean, in our business, too. You know, you recall the first time you, you got on the air at a, at a big-time station or something, and you had to come through, and you had to feel you belong there, or whatever, being a lawyer and had your first big case. I mean, these are the things that life is made of, and, and these guys have succeeded, and you couldn't be happier for a guy like Aaron Bummer, who's a just a delightful young man, and so cooperative, and and so into into the goodness of the team. Good, good for the team, good teammate, good chemistry, and uh, we wish him nothing but the best. Well, and along those lines, as far as building that confidence and feeling like you belong, hopefully you would think you get that paper and that security. Maybe Aaron Bummer takes even another step up and can be that much more dominant in the bullpen, knowing that you know what, I don't have to worry about putting food on the table for the rest of my life, so maybe I can just settle in here and, uh, hey, the White Sox feel like I'm a professional superstar or quality reliever, right. however you want to put it. You know, I would think that would give him nothing but confidence. I, one guy, we had uh, Carson Fulmer on earlier today, Rich, on, on White Sox Weekly, and right. that's a guy that I'm rooting for. Different story, first-round draft pick, got paid early. But the talent, I think, is there. He seems to have some confidence that this is going to be a breakout year for him. Uh, I know you've talked to everyone. Have you talked to Carson? And, and is, 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 yes, I have. What, what, what do you hear there? Every, again, I, every year he comes to camp, his attitude is in the right place. He's looking positive. He, he's just no negative thoughts. He knows he's got the stuff. Right? He's got the stuff. He's got to put it together just like Bummer and Fry did. And that comes with time. Now, it's taking him a little longer. Hopefully he will make it this year. He's a valuable guy to have in the bullpen. Wants to make the team, uh, and his thing is just going out there, and he's worked hard, and he's, and he's going to concentrate this year. It's, it's, you know, with these guys, the more you talk to them, and I've talked to them a lot, it, it, they all have the, the physical ability, right? But that, that, that's not enough. You have to have the mental approach that gets you. Even, even a guy like Ronaldo Lopez told us, you see, you know, last year he had a bad year. He said, I was thinking of the, the, the previous pitch to that, poor pitch that I made, or the previous poor outing, Instead of concentrating on the outing you're in, and if it relates this to any kind of profession, again, you go, even in golf, you have a bad shot in golf, you got to forget about it. That's why the pros are so good. They, they, they're the next shots, the most important shot, obviously. 
the shot that went in the trees, you got to figure out how to get out of the trees. So that's the, the point in the game where, where you become a professional player or whatever profession when you realize that you have to belong. And, and that comes with time. And Lopez is, uh, he's still young, 25 years old. He's still learning. Uh, Dylan Cease is learning. All these, and the bullpen looks pretty good. I mean, you know, it's C-Shake in there now. So it, it's a process. And, and uh, you know, it's a, it sounds like cliches when they say, oh, yeah, one game at a time or one week at a time. But it's true. You have to just grind it out to the point where you can make it or you, you don't make it. I mean, that's as simple as that. And some guys I don't never climb over that hill. You're making me think of the recreational athlete, i.e. myself, when you're talking about, like, you, you can be playing golf, right? And instead of hitting a ball down the middle, maybe you, you know, maybe you spray it in the trees, but then you realize after the shot, oh, I was thinking about work. I was thinking about home. I was thinking yeah. about anything other than what you were doing. And that's, right. that's, I mean, and that's obviously if you're a professional, you shouldn't be doing that, but they're human too. So, you know, it's, you're, that's a great point. That's the point that I think you have to make. And it, it, I play golf a lot, and it, it's so true. You're going good, all right? You got three or four good holes in a row. All of a sudden, you have a bad shot, all right? And it seems that that momentum of that bad shot weighs on your mind. And instead of thinking about the next shot or the get, getting it right, you think about the previous shot, and you're, you're angry about it. And Giolito's neuro, neuropathic, whatever he's doing, seems to eliminate that. You, you don't think about that previous shot. And that's the hardest thing in the world to do, believe me. It's not easy to do that because you, you're going to think about the bad shot. But somehow you have to get over it and say, well, I had a bad shot, forget about it, and go on. It's the hardest thing in the world to do in anything. Yeah. Even, even if you have a bad show, if you have a bad show one night, you go home and you're thinking about it, now the next time you get on, maybe you're still thinking about it. You have to forget about the bad show. <laughs> and, and, but it, it sounds easy when you say it, but believe me, it's, it's hard to do. Right. Thankfully for me, I've never had a bad show. It's just... <laughs> <laughs> I know. I, I, I used to have bad, bad shows, and, and my, at the end, when I finally realized, you know, nothing, you might laugh it off, you know, and you can go on to the next next show. That's what you have to do. Right. And oh. that's, I guess that's a lesson for life in general. Right. Or I just always have bad shows, so it feels no different. I say, <laughs> ah, I just did it again. Okay. Hey, Rich, always good to talk to you, my friend. I, uh, enjoy the desert. <laughs> When's the first game that we can hear you? Uh, I'll be, we'll be on Tuesday uh, on the webcast with, uh, I think, the Giants okay. uh, at, uh, at uh, Glendale. Uh, there's, they're on the road tomorrow in Goodyear, and then they play the Dodgers on Monday uh, in uh, Camelback, and then we have the Camelback game on Tuesday. We have now, we're down, we lost the game, so we're down to 12 webcast games this year, but uh, it's a lot of fun, believe me. It's a joy being here, and enjoyed being part of this club and looking at it as it, on their eyes. Yeah, always nice good to have me on. Yeah, always good to have you on, Rich. Good to talk to you. Okay, thanks. Good, good night. Rich King, WGN TV, WGN Radio, and down in the desert doing games for the White Sox during spring training. All right, quick timeout. Coming on back here, Well, I'm going to tackle the Cubs and, and Chris Bryant leading off. And I have a solution, at least an idea, to to throw out there that could be perhaps better than what they're doing. 720 WGN. All right, let's talk a little Cubs baseball here. 312-981-7200. So David Ross, Cubs are actually playing right now, uh, but Ross isn't managing because he's got the flu. Uh, Andy Green stepping in, which is kind of a, that's just too bad, right? First spring training game as a manager. Yeah, I can't make it. I'm sick, which much long season. You don't need to be there if you're, Got a fever, I get it, but that's just not the way you want to start. But regardless, uh, David Ross spoke earlier this week about 
what he wants to do with the leadoff hitter. And he was talking to Dan Rohn at WGN-TV. So let me bring this to you because it's a little interesting the way Ross is looking at potentially putting Chris Bryant at the top of the order. We start looking at players and where to slot them in the lineup. You know, I think a, a lot gets made of that. And, um, I want to talk to KB first about it before I just kind of, you know, really uh, cemented my thoughts on it and make sure he's on board with it. And we had a great conversation first day he got to camp, some really good feedback and um, got to talk to him about, you know, just the pros and cons, the way I look at it. And I, uh, he was super excited. I think he feels like he can have a real impact as, as I do. And um, really just, you know, you look on paper and there's um, a lot of great individual seasons that some numbers that are put up there when you actually look at the individual players but how that lineup works together I think is important I think uh, KB can be a guy that sets the tone at the top uh, represent our club uh, with the at-bats that mm-hmm. I want out of the group and um, you know it's always nice when you're when you're really good players are at the top of the line we put an MVP at the top and that guy's spot keeps coming around as the game goes uh, from the opponent's standpoint um, you're like is this guy up again already <laughs> uh, so that, that's kind of the feeling I want to create yeah I like that and I also like the fact that uh, he's embracing getting that fifth at bat every day yeah well I think that's the hard part you know it's not necessarily leading off the game it's really on the back end that fifth at bat on the days um, where you're not feeling good mentally being able to grind that at bat and lock in and, and, and know that that bat is just as important as the first one sometimes even more so sure. um, the willingness to want that at bat is not in everybody and, and that can 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 kind of create a long day on days you're not feeling good at the plate and uh, the fact that he's excited about that is, is something that I would never know I sometimes wouldn't even wish it for the fourth at bat when I was playing so um, his 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 excitement about it uh, the way he runs the bases I mean just who he is as a complete player really just plays into setting the tone and I think it really puts a stamp on um, just us as the Chicago Cubs and, and and what we want to be about so there was Ross with the Dan Rowan Dan of course doing a great job uh, covering the team down at spring training. So, okay. David Ross is looking at the Cubs roster, and he's looking, and he's looking, and there just isn't a traditional leadoff guy. And Chris Bryant led off in college. Chris Bryant's an on-base guy. Chris Bryant is a great teammate. He's happy to play third or first or left or right. And you need me to lead off. Hey, man, I'm in. I'm all in. I love I love playing here. Whatever you need from me. But he belongs in the middle of the order. And that's who he is. He's a 30-40 homer guy. He runs well, but he's not, he doesn't belong at the top of the order. Neither does Anthony Rizzo. So this is what I want to do. There was this guy that the Cubs won and signed in 2016. And he gave that speech when it rained in Cleveland. 17-minute rain delay. Jason Hayward brought everybody into the equipment room. Said, we're the best team in baseball. Let's not worry about the blunders that Joe Madden made. And we're going to go out there and we're going to do it. And they did, and they won the World Series end of the 108-year drought. Jason Hayward had a decent season last year. At least his best as a Cub. He hit 21 homers, which was the second most in his career. He... Raised his batting average at least some from the depths that it was when he got here at 230. He had 251 last year. His on base percentage was 343. That was the highest as a Cub. But he still has four years left on his deal. 
and it's about this was called roughly twenty two million a year. So if you go back to twenty sixteen, there was this guy by the name of Dexter Fowler. Does anybody remember Dexter Fowler? Hit a home run in game seven, let off that year, on base percentage of three ninety. Dexter Fowler's down in St. Louis. Last year, Fowler had two thirty eight, but his on base was three fifty. And he's a leadoff guy. Hayward's numbers are slightly better. Down in St. Louis, they don't need a leadoff hitter. Fowler's not even hitting one. So why not just, hey, 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 Cardinals, you guys ripped us off. Lou Brock for Ernie Brolio. There was, the last time they made a trade was back in 2007 for a shortstop by the name of John Nelson who never played a game for the Cubs and had five at-bats for the Cardinals. But these two teams, they've, they've made deals. Todd Zeal was traded from the Cardinals to the Cubs. This is a trade that could help both teams. Hey, we'll give you Jason Hayward back. He's a better defender. You've got Fowler in right anyway. So put him in right field. Now you've got a better defender. He's got a little bit more power. He's a great clubhouse guy. And the Cubs just need to eat some of the money. Like about $40 million, About half. And then you have your leadoff guy. I think that's a great solution. Thought about I thought of this all by myself. 312-981-7200. Who's in? Fowler for Hayward. Hayward for Fowler. They were best buddies when they were here, so that would be a little bit awkward. Now they're traded for each other. And Hayward's in the last year. He's His, his deal, he's got a no-trade clause, but this is the last year of it. So he would be getting traded back to a team that he played for before. I think this is the perfect solution. Fowler for Hayward. KB slides back down. And all is well. Uh, All right. I want to hit Joe Madden for one second. Who is out there, and I love Joe Madden. I didn't want him to leave. But he's out there, Joe Madden, saying like, hey, you know, I got to do what I wanted to do in 2015 and 16 and 17. But then in 18 and 19, Theo and them stepped in. And they wanted things done a different way. And so that was just not for me. And I wanted to leave Chicago. And, of course, now he's with the Angels. Joe. Joe. You were a high road guy. You don't need to get in the muck and and be showing the side of you that, I guess, wants to be valued and looked at as, as super important. Just leave it alone, man. Just like, the Cubs are leaving it alone that you nearly blew the World Series in 2016. I mean, that team was built to win, and you almost blew it in the World Series. But you didn't, and they won it. But you you, you really came super close. Like, if Jason Hayward wasn't there for the speech, after Araldis blew it, after you used him in Game 6 and in Game 5, after John Lester was rolling in Game 7, after Kyle Hendricks was rolling in Game 7, I mean, you, you, you did basically everything wrong. They won it, and I love you, Joe Madden. I think you should have a statue over there. But they won it in 16, partly at least. I think he created a great culture. I think there was a confidence with which the guys played with that he gets a ton of credit for. But the actual strategic decisions, some of them are way off. So just kind of leave well enough alone. You're in. You're in. You're in. You're in. You're 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 out there on the West Coast. You're going back where you started your baseball career. It's beautiful. You don't need to say anything bad about the Cubs. Just move along.
It's a good lesson in life. All right, news coming up here. Uh, after 9 o'clock, we're going to celebrate Do You Believe in Miracles? The 40-year anniversary. We'll talk about that to start the 9 o'clock hour, 720 WGN. i talk to my guy, Matt Verderam, coming up here in about seven minutes about the 1980 U.S. Olympic hockey team, which was voted the greatest story in the 20th century in sports. Upset over the Soviet Union in the semifinals and then going on to win the gold. Uh, but I got a couple minutes here, and what a crazy story earlier this week with the brother of Brian Urlacher, Casey Urlacher, along with eight others, including a Chicago police officer, indicted a federal indictment as they ran an offshore sports gambling ring, millions of dollars from Chicago area gamblers. Wow. That was not something that anybody was expecting. Casey, the mayor of Metawa in Lake County, charged with conspiracy and running an illegal gambling business. Now that Illinois is in the business of gambling, I think they'd like to have all the business of gambling. And no, 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 Casey Urlacher. Um, Nicholas Stella, 42, veteran Chicago police officer, also charged... Five years... uh, Charges carrying a maximum sentence, five years in prison... And according to the indictment, the gambling ring was operated between 2016 and 2019 and was headed by Vincent Del Judas, if you guys have seen this, if you have seen this, boys and girls, who was 54. This is the favorite part of the story. Del Judas went by Uncle Mick. Sweet name for a gambler, right, Uncle Mick? He paid a Costa Rica, allegedly paid a Costa Rica-based sportsbook a service fee to use its online platform and recruited, recruited gamblers to place wagers on the website. Now, what was the name of the website? UncleMickSports.com. That's amazing. I'm going to go with my own name. I'm going to start my own website. We're going to call it UncleMickSports.com. That's incredible. And Uncle Mick, he hired people to act as agents, and they went out and they found gamblers, and that's where Casey Urlacher and our police officer came in as well. As they went out and find people, apparently text messages exchanged. One of them lost $73,000. Their two biggest losers were from Minnesota one week. See, I'm, I don't know. Seems like a victimless crime, right? Somebody wants to make a bet. Another person wants to is willing to take the bet. If you win, you win. If you lose, you lose. There are services out there for gamblers. Go to Gamblers Anonymous. You shouldn't. He who gambles lives in shambles. I get it. You got to get support out there if you have addictions. Those services should be in place. But different world out there, right? We're all, we're all going to be, I guess, sitting at games in the next year, five years, and all the stadiums are going to have lines flying around on the LED screens, and our people are going to have their phones out, and they're going to bet on the first quarter, the first period, first half, this free throw, that three-pointer, lines moving all the time. You can get the Bulls plus 12 right now. Now they're plus 17. Wagers going on all the time. 
podcasts, radio networks, gamble, 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 gamble. But I did not expect to see a, uh, you know, arguably one of the greatest bears of all time. His brother got caught in a gambling ring this week. That was probably the biggest shocker. Uh, so who knows how this one will all shake out. Uh, but it seems like there's going to be some jail time going on here. Also charged, Del Judas's father, 84, Eugene, 84 years old, helping out his son. He allegedly was paying out some of the winnings. Got to go to court now. You're 84 years old. You were enjoying a maker's mark. Now you got to go to court with your son. Eh, that's not ideal. Other agents indicted Matthew Knight of Mokina, also known as Sweaters. Sweaters! What a great name. That is a dude. Sweaters is coming over. Oh, cool, man. I, I, I'm fired up to watch the game of Sweaters tonight. My main man. Maybe I can place a little little extra action on it. I'm, I'm fired up that Sweaters is going to be there. Craziest story of the week. Gambling. Still going on in an illegal way. So it's just because it's legal doesn't mean we don't have some illegalities, I guess, still going on. All right, quick time out. 1980, the U.S. Olympic hockey team. We'll talk about it with Matt Verderam in two minutes and 30 seconds on 720 WGN. Ago, February 22, 1980, the greatest upset in the history of the world, Lake Placid, New York, the U.S. Olympic hockey team beating the USSR 4-2-3. I'm taking memories. I would love to hear from people who were watching that night and you probably didn't know it was actually on tape delay, but it was. But you thought it was live, and perhaps you cried. Perhaps you jumped up and down. What do you remember? I was seven years old. 312-981-7200. Matt Verderam, fansided.com, who normally covers the NFL, but is also a hockey guy, and uh, joins us now. And apparently, your grandmother, Nana Matt Verderam... <laughs> Was a huge, well, I guess wasn't a huge hockey fan, but was a huge fan of the Miracle on Ice 1980 U.S. Olympic team. It's a beautiful story you put together, man. It's awesome. Thanks. Yeah, you know, I wrote over Tennessee, like you said. And so my nana, my my dad's mother, really never cared at all about hockey. I mean, I I don't think I ever watched a hockey game uh, in in her life. But um, she knew about that 1980 team. It was a big deal when it happened, of course, not just for her, but for the nation. And so uh, she's somebody who everything in her house is, is just gone if she hasn't used it in the last week. She gets rid of everything. She basically has her furniture, her car, her clothes, and that's about it. And if you go in that house, the only thing beyond that kind of stuff is if you go in the, living, excuse me, if you go in the laundry room, there's a full-length poster, a team photo of the 1980 U.S. Olympic hockey team because that team – 
meant so much to her and to, to you know, my grandparents and, and, you know, what they stood for and what that win was all about. And to this day, it's still sitting up there, perfectly preserved, right above the uh, washer and dryer. Well, I mean, and you go back in time. It's a crazy world in 1980, right? I mean, U.S. relations with the Soviet Union were a little bit dicey. They And on the the Olympic side of it, they had won the gold medal in five of the previous six Winter Olympics, four in a row, going back to '64. Uh, they were twenty-seven, one and one in games leading in uh, leading up to the U.S. Olympics, outscoring opponents one seventy-five to forty-four. I mean, the U.S. was given no chance, and of course, led by uh, the great Herb Brooks, Matt Verderam, four players with minimal minor league experience. The U.S. got it done. You weren't born, were you? Right. No, I was born in 88. Um, but, you know, obviously, you know, Colin, we worked here. I mean, I, I'm a huge hockey fan. My dad uh, is a hockey fan. Well, he really wasn't at the time. Uh, you know, another, you're taking memory, so another funny story of that is my dad was actually working. You mentioned it was on tape delay. And he had a buddy who he worked with who was a big hockey fan. He was he heard, I, I think, on, on a radio station in New York City, that the, the U.S. had won the game, and he came running in screaming, you know, the Americans won, the Americans won. And everybody ran out of work early and went home and watched the game. Um, but, yeah, you know, it was, a, it was a crazy time. You know, inflation, gas lines, the Iranian hostage crisis. You know, people, for anyone who doesn't really realize how big of an upset it was, consider this. Uh, the U.S. was in a 1,000-to-1 underdog to win that tournament. Not that game, but that tournament. Uh, which obviously the Russians are a big favorite in, that is the equivalent of if you took the worst NFL team right now and tripled their odds to win the Super Bowl. I mean, that is it's almost like if Northwestern football beat hey. the Kansas City. Hey, I'm just saying, we're in Chicago Air, right? Like, it's like if, if, if that, I mean, it would be that level of just, you can't believe it's actually happening. And, you know, they had just beaten the U.S. 11 days prior, 10-3 at Madison Square Garden, an exhibition. So nobody thought they were going to win that game. And for them to do it was just, obviously, we're sitting here talking about it four years later, and that's why it was that big of an upset. 312-981-7200, you want to jump on with Matt Verderam. And just, I'd love to hear memories of 1980 and where you were. And I don't know, maybe your parents were crying, or your grandparents were crying, or... It's it's incredible how it's actually stood the test of time. And what you just said there is actually worth the underlining. That is the equivalent. It's a college team beating a bunch of professionals, which never yeah. happens. And here is at the home of the Wildcats, why don't we just make it Northwestern? It's like Northwestern beating the Bears or beating New England. Uh, that that's actually I think a fair comparison. You had you did have twenty players on uh, on the team, and thirteen of them eventually played in the NHL, and five of them played in over 500 NHL games. But, you know, Mike Ruzioni, he's not going to go down as as the greatest goalie of all time, but he was good enough to do it on that team, right? Yeah, Jim Jim Craig, I I mean, look, he was a a solid goaltender in the NHL. He never really became a star. I mean, the best player on that team was probably Kenny Morrow, the defensive for the Islanders. Kenny Morrow won that game, then went to the Islanders and won four straight Stanley Cups. He had a pretty nice run. Um, But, yeah, I mean, you look at – Probably the most successful guys were Kenny Morrow and the coach, Herb Brooks. I mean, it wasn't a team of guys who, well, they became such great players. I mean, you said, you know, Mark Johnson, who had two goals that game, he ended up playing, having a decent NHL career. But, you know, none of these guys are Hall of Famers. 
you know, it wasn't like, you know, some of these guys went on and became that. And I think, you know, we, we are so removed now from the way the Olympics were, where everybody was an amateur. You know, the Russian team, I mean, they, they basically masqueraded as soldiers in the Red Army, but they, they were professional hockey players. In fact, the year prior, in late 1979, they played the NHL All-Star team in what was called the Challenge Cup, the best of three series. They split the first two games, and the Russians won 6 nothing in the third game. I mean, that's how great, that team, Vladimir Trediak was the best goaltender, some people will say, to this day of all time. And the Russians pulled him after the first period. He gave two goals, and, and uh, you know, they were annoyed with him, so they yanked him for, for Michigan, and they, they, you know, they ended up obviously losing. But I, I think, you know, if you look at the box score of that game, the Americans were outshot 39-16. I mean, it was, it was not a game where the Americans dominated by any stretch. They, they were dominated, but they got a great game from Tim Craig and Nett. They made a couple of great plays, took advantage of the power play. And the rest is history. Did you uh, did you go back and watch it before you wrote the piece, Matt? No, I have watched it in its entirety. Um, when I went to college, I had uh, my my ice hockey coach. He actually was at the game. Um, went up there, and so you know, I've heard him talk extensively about it. I've I've watched the movie and the experience I saw it a million times, but. No, I haven't seen the game in its entirety prior to that game. Okay. You you got one line in here that uh, brought a little tear to the eye, Matt Verderam. My grandmother is an old widow now. She always keeps a neat house and has gotten rid of most everything save clothes, furniture, and photos. If you go into her laundry room, there are three items. The washer, dryer, and a full-length poster of the 1980 United States ice hockey team. That's awesome. That it, I mean, we we almost got to get Nana on the air here, Matt. Is she available? None of these days. Uh, she's she's still around a kick, and she's uh, she's got Alzheimer's pretty good now. So I don't know how much she remembers the 1918 these days. But you know, if there was something she'd remember from sports, it would be that. Um, I think you know that's, and I wrote about it in the story that I wrote earlier. But I think that's part of this too, right? Like that's what makes this so special. That's like 40 years later. They're doing segments on Good Morning America about this. It wasn't because it was, you know, the sport itself, the sporting event, it, it was fine, but it was a sporting event. Like, we have we have big upsets in sporting events all the time. March Madness gives them to us every year. What made this so special was, you know, stateside, it was viewed as good versus evil. It was capitalism versus communism. I mean, that was the height of the Cold War. You know, Reagan's about to take office in a year. And, you know, at the time, Jimmy Carter was the president, and the, the country was in a, in a big downturn economically. Um, you know, that, that was the year where that famous crisis of confidence speech was given. I think people just felt lousy. And for those kids to, to be able to beat the Russians, it was just such a feeling, you know, from anybody you talked to who was, you know, old enough to really understand that at the time was like, wow, if, if they can do that. Well, then maybe we can pick ourselves up. And I think that's why that team isn't remembered because they won a hockey game against the better team. They're remembered because of the feeling they gave people when they won that game. And there's something to be said just, and maybe it would make no difference at all, but somehow I think it does. Al Michaels and the way he underlined it with, do you believe in miracles? Whenever you hear it, it still gives you chills. And so, I mean, he brought it to an even further life. And and Al, I mean, gets you know every time he rolls around, he gets asked to talk about it, and he loves doing it because I think it was the one yep. of the most special moments in his broadcast career, without question. 
No, no, no doubt, Carmen. I think, you know, a big part of it is, you know, everyone refers to the object as a miracle on ice. Well, why do you refer to it that way? Because of that call. Do you believe in miracles? And I always thought it was interesting when they redid the, or since they redid, but when they, when they made the movie uh, entitled Miracle, uh, obviously another ode to Al Michaels' call, when they did that, they had Al Michaels actually doing broadcast commentary for the, you know, for the mock game that they did in the movie. And the only thing that they used that was actually original to the game was that final 10 seconds of the call because Al Michaels said, I could never possibly redo that the way I did it the first time. I could never see that excitement. And, yeah, I mean, I think that call has a big part of the reason as to why we remember it so much is because it's such an iconic moment. The call's so great. You know, any time you ever think of that game, you, you have to think of that, right? You think of those last 10 seconds of him. Do you believe in miracles? Yes. And, uh, yeah, I mean, you could argue it's the most famous call in American sports history. Yeah, I, I don't think there's any doubt. Matt Verheim, great work, man. Uh, I, I started off the show tonight just making a plea that Tom Brady should be a Chicago Baron since you're an NFL guy. If you could just agree with me before you go, that'd be great. Carm, I think from a Bears perspective, that would be fantastic. Uh, they did cut Prince of Mukamara and Taylor Gabriel. So right. They, more cash space. they got $27 million. Their cash space. They got $27 million, um, man. Here's, here's the question, and I already know the answer to this since we work together, and I know you, but if if Tom Brady calls them up, and I'm not saying it's going to happen, if he calls them up and says, listen, I'm coming to Chicago if you cut Leonard Floyd, how long does it take you to cut Leonard Floyd? I would think three seconds, maybe two, but that's just me. <laughs> yeah. Come yeah. on, man. I asked that because you need to cast it. But hey, listen. That's another $13 million. That's $40 million right there. You, you could do it. That's, that's why I brought him up. Well, it's going to be if, if he ever went to the Bears – I would, I would love to be in the office that day just to see your reaction. That would be, it'd be great. It'd be one hell of, a, it'd be one hell of a story. I look, you know what? It's gonna be, it's gonna be interesting. You've got a lot of teams who are trying to get him on the team. No doubt, no doubt. All right, great stuff, Matt Berger. I'm reading it at fansided. dot com. Outstanding piece on the eighty Olympic team. Got Graham in there and all of it. Nano, we love you. Thanks for taking time, brother. Hey, thanks a lot, man. Take care. All right, my pleasure, Matt Verderam, Fansided. Quick timeout. Seven twenty WGN. I actually just got excited there. I mean, Verderam, longtime NFL guy, says you're a, Did I not hear that right? One cutting of Leonard Floyd away, and you're in the Tom Brady conversation. 312-981-7200. Ryan Pace could be listening right now, and if you as the Bear fan calls in and says, just, just listen, cut Leonard, make the offer to Tom, let's bring 12 to Soldier Field, to Chicago, let's let's get him on the list at Gibson's. Let's get him a free meal over wherever you want to go. Pick a sweet Italian spot. Let's get him on the Giordano's. Let's get him on the Lumelnati's. I know that he's you know he loves kale and everything else. And he's probably doing Pilates right now and eating a smoothie. We've got great plant based food here too. A lot of options for Tom Brady to Chicago, Trubisky to the bench. Be the greatest thing that ever happened in the city since they drafted Jordan in 84. That might be a little over the top. Patrick Kane was pretty sweet. Uh, a phenomenal story from the NHL tonight. And uh, if, yes, if you want to do that Tom Brady stuff, 312-981-7200 is the phone number. Uh, phenomenal stuff that happened in Carolina tonight. The Carolina Hurricanes... Both of their goaltenders got injured tonight playing the Toronto Maple Leafs. 
So you had two guys injured, so they had to turn to an emergency goalie. So 42-year-old Dave Ayers, who was driving the Zamboni, gets called in to be the goalie tonight. And he actually stopped 8 of 10 shots, and the Hurricanes beat the Toronto Maple Leafs 6-3. He's a Zamboni driver, an arena maintenance worker for the Maple Leafs AHL affiliate, the Toronto Marlies. And he's been the regular practice goaltender for the Marlies and has appeared in Maple Leafs practices. So, this is incredible. I mean, the guy, he does have goalie talents, but he was there to drive the Zamboni. And they brought him in. I'm a little confused here. The Carolina Panthers, uh, Carolina Hurricanes, excuse me, this game, the game was in Toronto then. So they, this guy works for the Maple Leafs. So the Maple Leafs had to okay their Zamboni driver and say, hey man, we know this is probably, because they don't have a goalie, this is not necessarily good for us, but this is an opportunity for you. So yes, you're working for us as the Zamboni driver in our arena, but we know you play some minor league hockey and you're the minor league practice goalie, so we're going to throw you in there. Curtis, you got more information he, he on this? He allowed two goals. <laughs> I know he allowed two goals. but <laughs> he Cut the deficit to four to three. But he but he stopped eight of ten shots. Eight I of know. ten. It's better than Robin Leonard did in the, in, uh, two nights ago. That's amazing. Congratulations. That's a great, great story. We get Joe in here who wants to get fired up with Tom Brady. Tom Brady to the Bears, Joe. Let's build some momentum. Three one two nine eight one seventy two hundred. Are you in, Joe? I don't think Tom Brady would go to any team that doesn't have an incredibly good offensive line. Uh huh. Well, they don't he have. So oh, we got upgrade. We got upgrade the old line, Joe. How hard is that? Let's get some big guys up there who can block. No problem. That'd be pretty hard because they've done it for years. So, Joe, take care. Good- why? Why? See now, look at. I mean, look what goes on here. I throw out Brady. I get excited. And people just call in and they just, eh, never going to work. Where is the optimism in life? See your future, be your future. Anything is possible. I'm trying to get Tom Brady here. I mean, think about what the story I just told you. Dave Ayers, he showed up at the arena, he was wearing his workman pants. He didn't bring a jock strap. he didn't have his cup. Next thing you know, he's he's putting on the pads and he's in net. Quote, it was awesome. I had the time of my life out there. Ayers told Sportsnet. After he was, he was brought he was named the number one star. The crowded Toronto gave him a loud ovation. So their team, the Maple Leafs, lost. But somehow the news makes its way around the arena that the Zamboni driver was out was in net and they go nuts for him. Per NHL rules, Ayers was paid $500 for the game and was allowed to keep his game-worn jersey. 500 bucks? What does he get paid to drive the Zamboni? Like, the Zamboni driver, uh, that's got to be like a buck fifty, right? I would think. Two fifty? Not anybody can just drive the Zamboni. Is there any Zamboni drivers out there? 312-981-7200? $31,000. Average ice, average ice resurfacer makes $13 per hour or about $31,000 per year. Well, hold on a second. 
There's only 40 home games, 45 home games with exhibitions. So if you divide that by 31,000, that's that's more than 13 bucks an hour. What do they got to be there on they have to be there for the practice games too? Probably for practices, probably to smooth it out for yeah. maybe like Disney on Ice or stuff like that. $31,000 to be the Zamboni driver. Okay. I mean, 31,000 a year. 31,000. That's a sweet that's, an that, hour. that's a sweet part-time gig by the way. You get your regular job, you show up, you drive the Zamboni around, you get paid 30 grand. Maybe you're making 50 doing something else. What do you do for a living? I'm in sales and I drive the Zamboni. I'm in construction and I drive the Zamboni. I'm in I'm in construction, I drive the Zamboni, and by the way, I'm also a practice goalie and I just got in a game playing for Carolina against my hometown Maple Leafs. He could have thrown the game, man. He could have straight through. Carolina had 3-1 leads when Ayers when took over. James Reiner started in goal, left with 6-10 left in the first period with a lower body injury. That's the way the NHL. Can't say if it was the knee or the ankle, lower body. Okay, we got it. Could have been a groin. And then Petter Mrazek. Where's Chris Bowden? Peter Mrazek. Peter Mrazek, right, him. He left in the second period after he collided with Toronto forward Kyle Clifford. Ayers, a Whitby, Ontario native, came into the game with a number 90 Hurricane jersey, but was wearing a helmet featuring Toronto Marley's decals. So he's wearing his minor league helmet to go out there. Several Toronto players came in to give him stick taps after the second period, so these guys knew that, oh my God, it's the Zamboni driver who's the minor league practice goalie. How sweet is that? Well, and you said he practices with the team, too, every once in a while. So they probably knew that So they okay. They were going against. Ayers' own, own hockey career was derailed by a kidney transplant in 2004. Wow. His mother, Mary, was his kidney donor. This is a sweet story, man. Ayers' last competitive action was an eight-game stint with the Norwood Vipers of the Allen Cup Hockey League. He allowed 58 goals with a 7-7-7 save percentage that's horrendous and his record was 0-8 so this guy was a miserable minor league hockey goalie now I don't want to take everything away from him it's to make it to that level even as a minor league hockey goalie is an accomplishment congratulations but he was terrible he's letting in well basically what he let in tonight two out of every ten shots is going to find the end of back of the net hard to win that way giving up probably six goals a game he was 0-8 in the minors the Canes Mobbed Ayers after he made a save at the final buzzer. Ayers is the second backup goaltender to gain notoriety, and this is where it comes back to Chicago. You may remember that the accountant, Scott Foster, was called in in a Blackhawks game, made seven saves over 14 minutes to seal a win uh, when the Hawks needed an emergency goaltender. This is sweet. Like, I have dreams every now and then that somehow I'm in the majors or in the NBA. I once had a dream that I basically, that I was, it was like I, it was basically that I had embodied BJ Armstrong. Like I was on the court and the Bulls won the, we won the championship and I ran down into the locker room to celebrate with the Bulls. And I was so excited. Like I'm going to get to celebrate with Michael and Scotty and Horace. And I got down in the locker room and nobody was there. That was the dream. I literally was jumping around in the court. If you go back to 93 when uh, the Bulls won it and the way Armstrong is jumping around the court, it, it was like I was jumping around the same exact way. 
which makes me wonder what's going on in this world. But I was jumping around like that, and then I ran in the locker room. You know, I'm envisioning I'm going to hug Mike. I'm going to hug Scotty. We're going to have champagne, smoke cigars. We're going to be awesome. And then nobody was there. And then I was like, somebody told me, well, they went out to dinner. So then I tried to find the dinner location, never found him. And then I woke up and it was over. But this guy got to, imagine when his head hits the pillow tonight. Oh my God. Hey, I don't know if he's married or not married. He comes home. What happened? How was work? Well, uh, both the goalies got hurt and I actually got in and played and it was amazing. And I, does he get credit for a win? I would assume he does, even though he didn't start. I have a, I have a, I have a, an actual win in the NHL on my resume now. I went to work. I was making thirty-one thousand as the Zamboni driver. I've got an extra five hundred bucks in my pocket. A victory. I wore some pads and a memory that I will never, ever, ever, ever forget. That is awesome. All right, quick timeout. We will. Uh, they're wrapped up at the United Center. Bulls lost. That's eight in a row. I got a couple thoughts on that coming on back here. Seven twenty WGN. Get to the Bulls in a second here as they lost to lowly Phoenix at home. That's eight in a row in the loss column. But interesting day in spring training. White Sox were rained out. Cubs are playing now. Uh, the Houston Astros opened up the Grapefruit League schedule today. They played the Nationals, who beat them in the World Series in seven games. Fans showed up at the games with signs, and they were ejected from the ballpark. One of them says Houston, and then they put an asterisk, apostrophe, yes. How does that guy get kicked out? That is super creative. You don't deserve to be booted for that. Now, another one read, you see my hate in large block letters. Okay, now you know, okay, just calm down with the hate. But to taunt him with an asterisk, that's hysterical. And they deserve that, right, Curse? They deserve yeah, that. I think they deserve that. I've also heard that uh, so the Astros open up their season in Anaheim against the uh, against Joe Madden and the Angels. Right. And supposedly tickets to that game are selling fast. And it's not because Angels fans are buying it. It's because Dodgers fans are buying it. And they want to get a chance to okay. So everybody wants get a chance to, to go yeah, they, ridicule them a They want to exact their piece of flesh on the Houston Astros. Uh, it's kind of tough, right? They deserve it. They cheated. They haven't owned it. Their owner is saying that it really didn't impact the outcome of games. Jim Crane not looking looking awful. That's what he's looking. Just brutal. But do we really want baseball players to be throwing at Jose Altuve and throwing at Jose and Carlos Correa Guys getting beamed. I mean, there's been mm. prop bets on Vegas already setting it at like 83 and a half for hit by pitches for Astros players this year. Right. I, I see that. I I get uncomfortable with all that. It, it. I get it. I get it. But I would much rather hit a home run against him and run around the bases and taunt the, taunt them. That's sweeter. Yeah. Or strike them out and you want to and start yelling stuff at their bench. That's cool. And and if the Astro, then the Astros are in a position where are you going to take matters into your hand and, and 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 throw back at a team that's taunting you or are you just going to eat it? Like that to me seems fair. All, you know, I don't know what fair exactly means, but something along like a little extra like pimping every home run against the Astros all season long. Go ahead. Deserve it. 
Take go take take three minutes to go around the bases. Or, you know, Jose Altuve struck strikes out, taunt him all the way back to the dugout. Like that to me. And the fans would go nuts. They would love <laughs> it. Well, did you see there was a, a video when spring training first broke? A fan brought a trash can to one of the practice fields for the Astros and was banging it there. So then that 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 to me is is fair game too. Yeah, like a fan bringing in a trash. That can. That would be a great giveaway. A small trash can at an American League ballpark when the Astros are in town with a little plastic spoon or wooden spoon to bang during the. Wow, I think that would be a great giveaway. Now, a great way to sell tickets for a small market team. So that is a that is an over. And maybe you could do that in the minors, like when the Triple A Astros come in or the Double A Astros. Wow. Oh, what are we turning into here? Where is where is where is the where is the decency? But they cheated, and more and more people are talking about uh, you know Andre Dawson, Barry Rosner, had an article in the Daily Herald. Andre's like they should strip the, the World Series from. Him. Of course they should. Of course they should. Asterisk didn't happen. I wouldn't even put it. To me, it's not even asterisk. It's vacated. 2017. Nobody won. Just like 1994 when there was a strike. Nobody won. That's what I would do. I mean, imagine if it was the White Sox and or the Cubs. You're playing Houston in the World Series in 2017, 2018, whatever. It doesn't matter. And you found out they knew the signs. I mean, Chris Bryant was livid about it. And I some Cubs players talked about games they lost to the Astros last year where it was clear that they still felt that the Astros knew what pitches were coming. So, fans hoping to heckle and sign the sign-stealing Houston Astros at the team's spring training opener were met with quite the coincidence. They got their signs taken. The Astros' first spring training game, their sign-stealing scandal, rocked baseball. Some fans brought signs jeering Houston. Ballpark personnel confiscated them for the Grapefruit League opener against the World Series champion Washington Nationals. Okay, I read that wrong. I thought that they were kicked out. They just took the signs. At least they didn't kick out the fans. But I still think that asterisk sign should have been allowed. All right, let me move over to uh, our basketball team for a second. Phoenix 112, the Bulls 104. Game over at the United Center. Phoenix is now 23-34. and They're a terrible basketball team. But they just came in and beat the Bulls. Who, granted, are missing Larry Markinen... And they're missing Wendell Carter. So there's that. But eight in a row. And Kobe White, the, the rookie, did have 33 points tonight off the bench. That's good. It's great, actually. He was 7-13 from the three-point line. So I went to the All-Star game last week, Sunday night, and it was phenomenal. The new rules, the Elam ending, which you add 24 points onto the game... Rather than a running clock, and you've got to score 24 to win, made it the best All-Star game that I can remember since maybe 1988 when Jordan was playing at Chicago Stadium. I mean, it, it actually, I probably would go back to 92 when Magic was out with HIV and he played in Orlando. That one comes to mind. But it was incredible. And it makes me actually wonder if you want to change the rules of basketball to just do that. Because free throws at the end of a game are just boring, and it takes forever. I mean, I don't think they're going to do this, but this was a sweet, sweet deal. 
But the NBA's got itself in a bind now. Because now you got guys playing hard and taking charges. Kyle Lowry of the Raptors took three charges in that game. Imagine if the Bulls were relevant. Let's go out five years, and they're relevant, and they have good players. And guys are playing super hard, and somebody gets hurt. Like, that's that's not... It's an all-star game, right? You don't want guys getting hurt. So I don't know what the NBA will do. Well, Ice Cube's league, the big three, does that. Right. And they they want credit for it. Yeah. Ice Cube wants credit for the NBA. But it's 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 a sweet... It was. I mean, right when they announced it, a lot of people were like, "Oh, this sucks. It's not basketball." No, I was like, "This is going to be awesome. These guys are going to. It's it's going to be a totally different level." And it was. And the players were very. Uh, players loved praised it. Praised it. Yeah. Afterwards. So, I mean, afterwards, I'm so I'm sitting there in the in the press uh, waiting. You know, and normally the players go to the locker room and they shower and this, but that was another thing they did differently because the media was not allowed in the locker room. So the players, like LeBron, is at the table instantly after the game. I don't think he he wasn't the on-court interview. So he was sitting down at the table with the media, gathering his breath, uh, taking off you know his shoes, and then talking. And you could just see how much effort that you know he had put into it in an All-Star game. But I also thought that it, because it was Team LeBron versus Team Giannis, Giannis drafted a team of guys that. He likes foreign guys. You know, Giannis got the Greek background, so he, he picked a bunch of guys that Pascal Siakam that that he wanted to play with. So there was it was a real rivalry game, more much more so than it would have been East versus West. But everyone's takeaway coming out of this like this was sweet. The All Star game was nice, but the Bulls are so irrelevant. And so now they've just lost their eighth in a row. Jim Boylan does this weird thing where they're down 10 points late and he calls a timeout. He does this every game to try to like send some message to his guys or like let's work on one more play tonight because we're just trying to work and get better. They're professional basketball players, man. You can't treat them like it's seventh grade and you're trying to... It, 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 come on. Know where you are in life. It just It's just weird. But I guess there's change coming over there, and we're going to get a new general manager. But there, it's just it's just a little bit rough. But I I looked online because I'm always checking stuff up for prices, and the Bulls were home on Thursday night against the Hornets. Seats in the 300 level before game time, like 20 minutes before game time, six bucks. As low the cheapest that they can be, six dollars. Center court, ten rows up. Thirty-five bucks, dang! Thirty-five bucks. For, that's a two hundred and twenty-five dollar ticket. Two twenty-five. So one sixth. Is that the math? Is right? That's right. I mean, that 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 that's not going to fly. I might have to go to my first Bulls game with that. <laughs> there you go. Carl and Lisa are coming up here. News right around the corner. We'll say goodbye next 720 WGN. All right, next week we're on after the Blackhawks 9 to 10, and then White Sox Weekly is going to be on Sunday afternoon for your sports weekend programming on WGN. Curtis Koch did a great job producing tonight, as per always. Also on White Sox Weekly earlier today, thank you to Carson Fulmer. Uh, for jumping on, and uh, also Zach Collins. And tonight, Rich King, WGN-TV, Matt Verderam from Fansided. Thank you for listening. Thank you for texting. Thank you for calling.